Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here, getting down to the end with oh. season five, episode 19, The Roy Clark Show, which aired February 14th, 1975. But it was is- actually filmed, you'd be interested to know, earlier, right after the Paul Williams. Oh, two music so guests. For some back reason, those, and you know, the two musical guests ended up being, they did them both back to back. Uh, maybe they held off on this so they wouldn't have to show two musical guests back and forth. Not, uh, it's not available on Paramount Plus. And one of the music uh, scenes in the show you watched on Decades, the episode, yeah. it wasn't in there. Right. But I'm sorry, <coughs> on DVD where, where yes. there are cuts? So yeah. this is, no, there are no cuts. I think oh. this is one of those episodes where Paramount knew they had to get all the yeah. music rights because otherwise there's no episode. Right. Yep. And only yeah not all at least half of them i think are public domain sort of oh okay uh do you want to talk about our writer yes well two writers are credited but i do not think they're a team because one of them is david duclon who uh we're very familiar with written four episodes uh and uh in, starting with his very you know he this seems like the article was his first ever show sitcom in a long career that led up to as i think i mentioned before being basically the creator or executive producer punky brewster family matters silver spoons uh those shows in the 80s but he started all started at the odd couple for him and his first episode here was i gotta be me which is a pretty good one to start with um he also did relevant perhaps to this he did the let's make a deal Monty Hall, first Monty Hall one, which uh, might be relevant as we talk about how they use a guest star here. Um, but the other writer is someone named Bob Howard, who has not written for us before. And I'd say us, as we got a couple. Uh, he seems to have had a, more of a background in classic television comedy writing, writing for Jack Parr, uh, Johnny Carson, The Jerry Lewis Show. The first one uh, that we talked about before, and uh, Don Rickles, and so my theory is that uh, he might have been brought in to be a joke writer more in this episode. Um, he did work on go on to work with Gary Marshall a lot on Happy Days, but not he didn't work with him before Art Couple. He also his career there's no biography of him on IMDb, but I find it interesting that his he, his career spans from the early 60s to the early 80s and his last credit, but his most, uh, like he was very, he wrote like all the episodes of the show was a certain show you may recall called Madam's Place. Oh yes, with, uh, hold on, the, uh, the puppet, puppet. The puppet, <laughs> Madam, and the, yes. uh, the puppet. What was op- that? So uh, the, I can't remember the name of the operator, the guy. Um, yeah. It was, a, I believe it was about like an inn or a restaurant that was run by the puppet, Madam. And right. The and the rest of the actors are human. Were, yes. So she <laughs> she interacts with the humans. Uh, 
Is it Wayland Flower? Of... Is that Wayland Flowers? Oh, maybe. And uh, Madam? I didn't look up looked up the details. I think that's Wayland Flowers and Madam. Uh, the performer, you mean? The performer, I believe, is the name. Um, and I think that was on CBS. It's one of those gimmicky shows. You know, Alf yeah. was able to. Right. Oh, my God. I didn't make the connection. Of do that. So if other shows could. So uh, I, I think Madam's Place was before Alf. You're right. Wayland Flowers. So, yeah, it's one of those gimmicky shows that you give it a try. And obviously it didn't work in this case. And well, this our friend Bob Howard here, uh, a major force in that show, which ran one season and then disappears off the map. So uh, hope it wasn't uh, too, hope it didn't kill him. I'm saying. So we open on Felix playing the piano in the apartment, but when he hits a certain key, he hears a clanking noise. And that sounds like this. I'm going to play the noise because I think it's kind of interesting to hear what it sounds like. So he opens up the piano and he pulls out a crushed beer can, which gets a big laugh from the audience. It is a good visual. And it does remind me a little bit of Oscar typing on the frog. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what else it reminds me of? It actually it reminded me of that. They've been doing this a lot lately when they open the episode. They just they have to keep, they keep coming up with stuff, funny things for Felix to do while he's cleaning or something so i think last week was when he was like cleaning the phone and accidentally yeah the operator yes then we had the, a few episodes ago the pencils uh that he was sharpening and he thought the pencil blowing on the pencil was ringing the doorbell oh yeah and it's, it seems like they need this beat if they're going to start in the apartment with like someone coming over someone suddenly coming in they just need to establish that felix is just hanging around it's like a normal day just doing stuff usually cleaning in this case practicing piano and they just try to come up with a little bit that gets a laugh before the main event happens oscar comes home he throws his jacket on the floor felix shouts pick it up without missing a beat oscar picks it up but he just throws it on the floor a few feet away Felix says, I believe this is yours. And he holds up the beer can and he says, kindly dispose of it. Oscar drinks the remaining beer in it, but he <laughs> makes a face of disgust saying it's flat. Felix says, don't disturb me. I've got to practice. He starts to play again. Oscar says, why? We try to get rid of another neighbor. Felix says, if Felix stops playing, looks up at him indignantly and says, my opera club's having its recital next week on the accompanist. We're doing a program of Mozart and Muffins. Mozart's music, my muffins. Have to practice. Oscar says, practice all you want. It won't bother us. And that leads to uh, our first clip of the episode, besides the beer can we just played. It won't bother us. Yeah, I invited a house guest for the week. Who? My old army buddy, Wild Willie Bob. No, sir. No, 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 no sir. Take it easy, will you? He's appearing with a Rodale down at Madison Square Garden for a week. Now, I will not have him in this house again what this year. What am I year. supposed to say to my friend? Go stay in a hotel? Besides, he's a fun guy. Squirting flowers and joy buzzers are not fun. <laughs> a pony in my bathtub was not fun. Oh, so he pulled a few harmless pranks. You didn't have to clean up the bathroom. <laughs> Listen, if it wasn't for his sense of humor, I don't think I'd have gotten through basic training. What did he do? Short sheet the colonel's bed? How did you know? <laughs> 
you listen to me? Listen, he's going to behave himself in this house, or out he goes. This is a, not a corral here. He's going to be a gentleman, you understand? Okay. He'll get out, dribble glass and all. Right, all right, all right. Hey, Oscar! Hello, Mr. Boggs. I didn't want to impose on you empty-handed, so I stopped by and got some chicken in a bucket. Oh. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. So, yes, he should tell his friend to go stay in a hotel. <laughs> yeah, and... And give Felix more warning than apparently two minutes before uh, the guy arrives. So the way Felix says no, sir, when uh, when yeah. he, he uh, I I've used that in my personal really? life. Wait, yes. how does he say it again? Tell me how he says no, it. sir, no, sir, no, sir. He he, <laughs> I, I, he doesn't say that many times, but he goes no, sir, and before he can say it again. I see. Oh, oh, okay. I see. I don't know if you, if uh, if you said that to me whether I would recognize that, but now now I. No one does. It's just in my head. Yeah, uh, the shave and a haircut two bits doorbell ring is very poorly dubbed in. Mm. It is dubbed right. It's also uh, like I guess they had to come up with something wacky for him to do. But Wild uh, Willie, I don't know if you notice this. He shakes Felix's hand way too long, which seemed to me like maybe an improvised bit on the like Felix gets annoyed by it, or yes, I think Roy Clark improvised that. That's what I think. Maybe. Uh, now he while Wild Willie hands Felix a bucket that <laughs> is presumed to be a fried chicken, right? And now, if someone handed me a bucket of fried chicken at my door and it was for dinner, I would bring it to the kitchen <laughs> and deal with it later. I would not right. open it standing in the living room, which is but necessary but for if, the gag here. You, yeah, if which is. Which is he opens the he opens the bucket and it's a real chicken, right? To first of all, another dumb animal bit. <laughs> what happens to the chicken after that gag? Well, oh, well, it's not like they're going to have to keep it as a pet. Well, what are they going to do with it? I guess Felix has to take it to the kitchen and slaughter it. Okay, that's not happening. <laughs> there is no place I believe in New York to buy a live chicken like that. I don't know where this came from. He didn't bring it with him on the plane. You know, things were different back then. The 70s, Not that maybe. different. This is another <laughs> one of the odd couple's yeah. flaws, which is a pet, no, offense, no no pun intended, a pet peeve of mine. Mm. These stupid animal gags in this show. I hate them. <laughs> I just well, hate them. Hey, the, it's, it, it, the chicken's easier to deal with than that pony he apparently left in Felix's bathroom. Oh, right. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. How the hell would that they get deal with that? And, and by the, the way... Uh, again, again, more another inconsistency about the the bathroom situation. Felix has his own bathroom. Oh, right. Which doesn't explain why Oscar was using it a few weeks ago. Also, if you notice, Tony Randall doesn't quite open the bucket the first time. He goes to open the bucket. Uh-huh. And he, he, he slips, which kind of ruins yeah. the joke a little bit. It makes it a little bit. Yeah. It, he, he tries too hard to open the bucket on the scene, which is necessary for the joke. And it, it's it's just a dumb psychic. I don't like it. Yeah, I, um, I, 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 since I remembered the joke when I was watching it, I just imagined, wow, this must be hard for Tony Randall to, because the trick with a thing like this as an actor is you have to not anticipate what's really, you can't give away what's in there. You have to really open it the way you would casually open if it was real fried chicken. 
so but you know he's got to be nervous that there's a real chicken under there so i i, I kind of uh, put it up to that hey by the way is the joke that why do i get the feeling like kentucky fried chicken originally was like that was this trend of like chicken in a like when he says i brought you chicken in a bucket they're supposed to understand what that means and they i do. think it was not a yeah that a marketing thing yes in fact I, yeah. I just watched there's a show on history channel called the food that built america and they did a yeah. segment on kentucky fried chicken and the guy who yeah. dave thomas who created wendy's yeah. actually pioneered a lot of the what makes kfc kfc and i believe one of them was designing a bucket as the takeout container there you go wait what did colonel sanders didn't do that uh, I don't know. Colonel Sanders was really a figurehead. There was a real Colonel Sanders. But he was bought out by a group of uh, these two guys, I think. And mm. one of the people, and Dave Thomas worked for the two guys and really innovated mm. many of the chicken, of the innovations of KFC, including the way the, the stores are designed, the bucket, and uh, I think some other item I can't remember. And they bought- clever of Willie Boggs to... Uh come you know pl- have a joke on the idea of chicken in a bucket if you say so i where he got the, maybe he brought the chicken with him from the rodeo oh that's a, okay that's a plausible answer that would also explain the pony yes <laughs> right i don't know how you get a yeah, pony special in. access to these things once again the doorman of 1049 park avenue <laughs> doing a, a very bad job if there's a pony coming up yeah uh, let's talk about our guest star. Roy Clark was born in 1933. His father was a semi-pro musician who taught him how to play banjo, guitar, and mandolin. He started performing venues in the D.C. area in the 1950s. He went on tour. He mixed comedy with country music. He was a runner-up on Arthur Godfrey Talent Scouts, but was fired by Arthur Godfrey for tardiness as part of his band, which is the Wait, second. So another who yes. another guy so fired. He, there, well, Julius Rosa was a reference in a prior right. episode by Murray, and then we went to talk about who Julius Rosa was. Oh, yeah. Julius Rosa was yeah. fired by Arthur Godfrey for a different reason. So he seems like a, a he was like difficult to work with. Uh, he was very stern. Arthur yes, fire, firing all these very talented people. Uh, Roy Clark went to Las Vegas in the early 1960s. His fellow musician, Jimmy Dean, guest hosted The Tonight Show in 1960, and Clark was a guest, which kind of gave him his first Mm. national prominence. Then he went on to Beverly Hillbillies, and superstardom came for him when he was selected to co-host Hee Haw, which only aired on CBS for two years. Buck Owens was his co-host. But then after it was canceled... When CBS purged all, they had a what they call the rural purge. They got rid of all the rural comedies <laughs> because they wanted better demographics. But it was sold into syndication, and there it lasted uh, for 22 years, from wow. 1971 to 1993. And at okay, this so point, I yeah, go ahead. That's really interesting to me because I never, I, I, I was certainly aware of Hee Haw, and as you say, it must have been, it was like in constant. It was one, it feels like one of those shows that was just constantly on. It was in the seventies and um, and eighties. But I never would have got the impression that there were only two seasons worth of shows that they just kept re- rebroadcasting. No, 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 no. Sorry. Oh, syndication. First, first run uh, syndication. Yes. Oh, okay. So it was just being produced by a smaller. It was being produced by the producers and sold locally to stations instead right. of not as uh, a major network production. Not as yes, not uh, not Got through it. CBS. Got it. Okay. Uh, at great. this point in time, Roy Clark was the top country music star in the U.S., making seven million dollars a year between Hee Haw and touring, which is fifty million dollars today. 
and well that's yeah it's hard i guess that's why he's on the show then yes i mean he was i think it's i think it may be hard for people watching this today to understand how big a star he was at this time and this is i mean he and he went on he he only died a few years ago yeah 2018 uh so he went on you know had long career but this is the peak this is just like this 1974 is a, here is the peak. Yeah, I, I, yeah. He had a pretty long peak, I'd say. Okay. I'd say there's I, I <laughs> the peak of the peak. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's true, but this was okay. part of his peak. Yeah. I mean, again, he had a very I early seventies. He, he had a because of he with mid seventies. Right? He was yeah. by in yeah. the mid seventies. He was a major yeah. star, and he had that uh, big hit uh, record that uh, we're going to hear a song from. Well, after the Um, credits, we're about to play it right now. Can I just say one more thing? It's important for this episode also for anyone out there who does not know who Lord Clark is, which if you're an odd couple fan, it's hard not to. But um, a a key part of his shtick was aside from just doing comedy music hybrid all the time, is that he played multiple instruments. And that's something he will use on the odd couple. He played banjo, in addition to guitar, but banjo and violin, and probably others that I, I. that he does not play here. After the credits, he's playing his hit cover song. This is a cover called Yesterday right. When I Was Young, the Oscar, which you which did is not a, see on a decades, correct? Right. You, well, two things out. about this. Two things about this song. One, right. For some reason, decades, who usually includes a lot of musical, most of the musical stuff, uh, cuts this. It is a very much copyrighted song, so maybe that's why. No, I think it's because uh, it's boring. <laughs> Well, it wasn't considered boring in 1970, but, whatever. Or but it's 20. But it doesn't matter. Uh, it was a big hit song, and it is a uh, it's a very it's considered a very classy song because it was actually translated from the French. It was a Charles Aznavour song. You know Charles Aznavour, Ted? Of course not. That name. <laughs> Don't know how much you're into the French uh, crooner scene. Yes. So uh, it was a big. Wait, is Marie Chevalier part of the French crooner scene? Uh, uh, of the of an earlier generation. Yeah. Well, that's the only person I know okay. because okay. of I Will Lucy. So Charles Aznavour was a huge well, no, French not, international international sensation of the six, mainly in the in the sixties, but he lived on part long while after that. Uh, and he had, a lot of his songs kind of were crossed over, translated into English. Frank Sinatra covered some of his songs, um, but Aznavour yeah wrote this in French as uh, "Yeah, encore." like something like yesterday again or here you know, thinking about you and so it got translated into yesterday when i was young and roy clark made that his own uh, all right and what? so they start now in i'll just want to say one thing about the decades thing about the whole what's what's showing on the screen when you're watching this they did it uh, i now that i've seen both i i was found a, a youtube where he sings it um this is the first time I've seen them in, in, instead of a, oh, starting with a freeze frame. You know how they usually start with a freeze yes, frame? Yeah, that's, right. that's when we hear odd couples filming from a live audience. The first time they, they don't do that, they start, they go right into his singing and they show the credit, the directing and writing credits over the Yes, I noticed scene. that as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the funny thing is when Decades cut uh, yesterday when I was young and they, they, they start the scene when he starts singing Mountain Dew, which is the next song, they still have the credits rolling over Mountain Dew. So they did a very fancy edit. It was not haphazard. They just, it could they be Paramount actually... doing that edit, by the yeah. way, not, not ah, decade. Interesting. Okay. All right, can I play it now? Yes, you may. Now you may play. Yesterday, when I was young, 
So many happy songs were waiting to be sung. So many wild pleasures lay in store for me. And so much pain my dazzled eyes refused to see. I ran so fast the time and youth at last ran out. I never stopped to think what life was all about. And every conversation I can now recall concerned itself with me and nothing else at all. There are so many songs in me that won't be sung. I feel the bitter taste tears upon my tongue the time has come for me to pay for yesterday when i was young now i want to do my favorite come on you got to do my favorite once at least down the road there for me, there's a big hall to tree where you lay down a dollar Yeah, When you go around the bend, when you come back again, there's a jug full of good old Mountain Dew. When they call it that good old Mountain Dew, and them that refuse it or cue. I'll hush up my muggy when you fill up my jug with some good old Mountain Dew. Now my brother Bill's got a steel on the hill where he runs off a galley. In this sky, get so drunk, it can't fly from a smell in that good old Mountain Dew. Well, they call it that good old Mountain Dew, and them that refuse it are few. I hush up my mouth, keep you full of my jug with some good old Mountain Dew. Yeah! <laughs> oh, I love it. Woo! I can do that over now. It's been a long time. Yeah. Hey, Guinness. Guinness. I hate this. Why? Warren I, Clark is great. I don't like country music that okay. much. Well, and I yeah. don't like the slowness of the other song or uh -huh. the the Right, that's folksy, not country. So you don't like either. Or the folksiness of the yeah. second song. Right, right. Um, well, I'm not usually, I don't listen to a lot of country music, but Roy Clark is just one of those musicians who I just find like he's just amazing whatever he's doing and one of the things that's cool about how they used him in this episode although I, gr I grant you it is a, a big part of the episode of just giving him time to do his stuff but he gets to do a variety of different genres and songs and so that's kind of I've always found this song catchy I always remember I only remember it from the odd couple but it, it turns out I oh good old Mountain Dew I, it, it's um, catchy I, I, I looked that. it up by the way just to make sure we had you know, has an actual history and writers and it's not an old old folk song it is dates from 1928 uh and uh was a popular early you know country in the early days of the country music industry the modern country music industry in the 40s before roy clark picked it up and made it a signature of his written by bascom lamar lunsford and scotty wiseman Scotty Wiseman. During the playing of that song, Felix comes out with a look of <laughs> disgust. Cutting, you're just cutting me off. Well, did you have more to say about it? <laughs> no. Okay. Go ahead. So Felix comes out and has a look of disgust and exasperation on his face. Um, 
Oscar is moving the zipper of his jacket up and down to the beat of the music. During the song, they both stand up and Willie puts his foot on the coffee table and starts to tap on it to the beat of the song. Felix gives Oscar a very dirty look about this and Oscar takes a magazine and puts it under Willie's foot. To the delight of the audience, and it's a funny. It even get up. It even gets an applause break. It's a yeah. funny. It's a funny. It's bit. a funny bit. And Roy Clark, you know, a trooper that he is, like he, he he's taken aback for like a half a second, but just keeps going. And he taps on the magazine. Yeah. After the song, Oscar says, "Hey, Felix, ain't he something?" Felix says, "It's very good for what it is." Oscar says, "Play another one, will you?" Felix says, "No." And Wild Willie says, well, I don't have time anyway, Oscar. I've got to get ready for the rodeo. But I do want to thank you, Felix, for what you said about my singing and playing. Felix grunts. And Willie says, I know you know a lot about music. Felix says, well, you're more than welcome. Willie says, shake. And while he's saying that, he's a very visible shaving cream, <laughs> shaving cream can in his hand. Yep. Felix obliviously puts his hand out and Willie sprays shaving cream in his hand. I have no idea how Felix didn't notice this. It's just stupid he does you know it, there's a point here that oscar's gonna say something which is that you know, felix makes a very easy mark for his uh, pranks well because they make felix dumb like it's a little <laughs> yes, bit like right. when he was blowing on the pencil right. during right. and the doorbell was ringing yes yes true and plus he knows this guy's a prankster <laughs> so i don't believe that felix is a mark felix is not this dumb i see you know funny um it is uh I, I wondered whether this prankster thing of the character could be something Roy Clark uh, was known for in real life, but it seems to me probably more likely that they had to come up with something funny about his character, especially something that would annoy Felix, not just that he didn't like the guy's music. Plus so it I plays think... into the whole plot line because Felix tries to change him. Felix oh yeah. yeah, right. Well, that right, yes. Oscar and Willie laugh heartily at the shaving cream in Felix's hand. Felix says, you think that's funny? Oscar says, it is funny. Felix rubs most of it in Oscar's hand and says again, you think that's funny? Oscar says, yes. He starts laughing. Oscar picks up the napkin at Felix's place setting, which Felix points out and cleans his hands. Felix then uses Oscar's napkin. Oscar says, oh, he's such a funny guy. What a wonderful person to have around. Felix says, oh, knock it off. He's been in the house half a day already. I've sat on his whoopee cushions three times. Which again is stupid. Wouldn't you start checking your seat the second <laughs> yes, or third time? Yes, yes. He glued my shoes to the floor and he greased the toilet seat. The audience laughs a little too much. I, I, I think. would I, I would be pretty upset too. If, yeah, I think this guy should get the hell out. <laughs> the audience laughs too much at these revelations, I say. Uh, and I, I, I agree that Willie is a terrible house guest and really should get out. Oscar says, that's because he's a fun-loving guy and he likes to see people laugh. You notice he doesn't do it to me because I think it's funny. He does it to you because you're stuffy and you don't have a sense of humor. And that leads to this next clip. I don't have a sense that's of humor. That's right. Me? Yeah. <laughs> the one who had them rolling in the trenches at Anzio with my imitation of Noel Coward. <laughs> you think that was funny? What do you think is funny? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> You'll love this one. A man walks into an elevator, there's a naked woman. He says, my wife's got an outfit just like that at home. <laughs> Boy, that's funny. That's funny. I gotta be getting down to the rodeo. I sure hate that I'm gonna miss one of your fine dinners tonight. Well, I'm certain you'll make it for breakfast, won't you? Felix, you seem a bit testy. If I've been getting on your nerves, I have a feeling that you don't like me. 
I don't like your, your pranks very much. Well, it's because you've never tried them. You ought to try them one time. I don't think so. You want to pull a great prank on Oscar while I'm gone? No. Why? <laughs> this rubber hot dog. Oh, they're a gas. A rubber hot dog. Yeah, he takes one bite out of it and then chews it all night long. It's rubber. I wish I could be here to see the expression on his face. Thank you very much. snack for you if you'd like it. One of your favorites. What do you got? Yeah. Nice cold hot dog just the like you like it with a lot of mustard. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the one well. <laughs> How is it? The bun's a little stale. Dessert. That that is a good scene. There are some good scenes. I like part of this episode. I, I don't want to sound like I hate it. Um, by the way, I just noticed listening to it now, some of the laughing, laughing, laughter in that scene sounds a little like a laugh track to me. Well, you know, we've never come to think of it. We shouldn't be surprised if they everyone sweetens the laugh track. I, I've always assumed. To some extent, I feel like this and, show. I've never noticed it until now. But I've never noticed it, right? And so you, you get the feeling they never really had to. But there's also some weird cuts going on. I yes, think, there are. And so yeah. maybe one reason they might they might add some laugh track is to cover over any edits. You know, things like that. yeah. So after Roy Clark leaves, well, and, wait, we're we not oh. going to talk about the rubber hot dog. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh, oh. <laughs> so after Roy Clark leaves in the middle of the scene, he hands Felix a rubber hot dog, and Felix. Makes a very, ex I described the, his facial expressions once Roy Clark leaves and he realizes that he could get one over an Oscar. I call it excited, devilish, smiling <laughs> face. Yes, very good. Very, very apt. Right. Very uh, apt. And he, he decides to feed. Uh, and he's shaking the hot dog in his yes, hand. With yes. Glee and kind of skipping over, hopping over to the kitchen. <laughs> now, luckily, there's an empty plate with mustard waiting and yeah, the hot dog buns on the kitchen very counter. Convenient. Very, very convenient. And of course, the big gag, which you could hear in the clip, is that he feeds Oscar the rubber hot dog and Oscar just eats it as if it's any other cold hot dog, which is <laughs> another one of Oscar's favorites, cold hot dog and mustard. Cold. Do we, did, are you serious? Did he ever mention cold hot dog? No, no. Isn't that Oscar says, I made you a, did he, doesn't feel like say I made you a snack your favorite? Or maybe he doesn't say favorite this time. Does he say cold? He said nice cold. Yeah, he says nice cold hot dog. Yeah, and mustard. Yeah. <laughs> who who would, I guess, I guess Oscar would. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, Felix puts the telephone in a headset in another hot dog bung and says, that's, <laughs> oh, and that's here, what he says. Why don't you have dessert? Yeah, that's for dessert. <laughs> so, for, Which for some reason, decades cut that. They just cut oh, really? the I think with the phone. Now like, that I, is like, surprising. Like they're, like they're desperate for time. But that's such a fun, that's, a, that's not a good edit. Because that's no, like not is. very, it's like a one second, two second moment. I, I don't know what that time bought them. That almost feels yeah. like a mistake to me. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, so did you find yourself wondering, like I did, like, what's Jack Lugman doing here? Like, there's a what's lot he of- What's he doing? What do you mean? Uh, what's he eating? I mean- A hot dog. I assume they just, they didn't make they it a rubber hot dog. A, right. There's yeah. nothing about the, the prop that makes it like a special rubber hot dog no. that doesn't look like a real hot dog. Yeah. So he could be eating a cold hot dog. He I assume could, he is. 
or could he, they could have even warmed it up. Um, they could okay. also, uh, he, Felix, uh, Tony Randall could have not put it in the bun through sleight of hand or, you know, cutting from the camera angles. Uh, but, but why would Roy way, Clark have to give him a rubber hot dog for the sh actual show? Like, no, no, no. I, I'm not saying he would, but I, but I do. Here's the thing I did notice that Jack Klugman is eating around something for some reason. He does not, maybe, maybe it's, he doesn't want to stuff his face with it, but like there's part of the edge of the bun he's not eating on that bite. He doesn't oh, eat it the way you would, I would eat a hot dog from the end. He is eating it from the side and he leaves the far end of the bun uneaten. So I oh, don't know so what that's about. Maybe he's just eating the bun and not the hot dog. That was what I might. Oh, that could be. Sure. I didn't notice that. Maybe it's because maybe whatever it was, whether it's a real hot dog or not, it's just gross. Yeah, right. Right. But part of the joke, I think the inside joke for the odd couple team is that, that I remember Gary Marshall saying one of the funny things about Jack Klugman is he would eat anything. Well, that's then so, more reason why he's it's eating, a very Oscar kind of joke. Eating the real hot dog. Yeah. So the next scene, Felix is playing a well known Mozart song, although I yes. don't know what it is. Do you, you must know what ah, it is? Ah, Ted. Well, you obviously, let me guess, you never studied tech piano lessons. You're guessing that? Oh, no, actually, I did take piano lessons. Oh, you did. But oh, I yeah. ended up. Oh, yeah. Playing TV themes for all my <laughs> yeah, so I could I could still play no kidding. The, I played Hawaii Five O, Mission Impossible, and Twilight Zone. The three TV themes I was taught how to play piano, but never Mozart. By an actual piano teacher? Yes. Well, a friend of the family who was a piano teacher. Yes. I see. Um, so yeah, this is a, a a very basic. I had to learn this piece. It's a very basic piece it is the c major sonata by b? mozart what's c. that word c c major it was a sonata in c major oh c major a musical okay. key i see that's the way they do these music I, I thought you were talking about i thought you i thought you were mispronouncing the word teenager or <laughs> you were using like a like a captain at sea see like a major <laughs> s-e-a yeah but so, now i get okay in uh, so key, oh, it's not in the key of c major so in the which middle, is, oh. which is relatively, uh, which is a relatively easy piece. It's like a, a start, a good beginner piece, which makes me wonder, this might be a rare instance of Tony Randall actually playing the piano. Because if he could play it all, if you ever studied piano, you ever took piano, it's, you could probably play this piece. In the middle of the scene, Willie comes home and starts to accompany him, which leads to this scene. <laughs> A surprise. Mozart, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Until you turned it into Memphis. <laughs> you like good music? Yes, one of my first loves. Really? Hey, you know this? Vivaldi. Wow. Can you play this? Well, I, it's been a while. But... What happens? Does the fiddle explode? No, this is a real violin. The bow is made of licorice. <laughs> 
I'm very serious now. We'll just start from here. One, two, three. You know, I used to practice a lot, but uh, in fact, I had a scholarship before I went in the Army. No kidding. Why'd you give it up? Well, sitting in a room all day practicing on the violin's not my idea of fun. I like to get out with the people and joke, make them oh, laugh. No, fun is mesmerizing an audience of thousands. Fun is the happiness your gift can bring to other people. L let's do this one again. One, two, three. <laughs> What you were doing, the playing, I was terrific. You see that? You see the reaction of that man? Now that's fun. You really like that, Oscar? I'm telling you, it was sensational. You guys, excuse me. What's this all about? Congratulations. For what? You just turned that man into a concert violinist. I did? You're a magician. I am? And how come I can't make you disappear? Now, later, Oscar's going to hate Willie playing classical music, I guess, because of right. But it's a, so it's a little weird that he likes it here and hates it well, later. Well, I'm, I'm not so sure he likes it. He calls it sensational. It. Well, he was just impressed. He's surprised and impressed and he's, yeah. he's complimenting his friend. That's but he does a big 180 later. But yes, yes. So the next scene over the establishing shot of fake 1049 Park Avenue, we hear Willie playing. And in a voiceover, Oscar says, come on, Willie, you've been practicing for three days. I want you to meet my friend Murray. You'll love him. He can direct traffic with his nose. Then we see all three of them in the living room. And Murray asks Oscar, is this the guy? Oscar says, why Willie Boggs? Meet Murray the cop. And Wild, Wild Willie puts his hands out to shake Murray's hand and says, how's it going? Murray's about to shake Willie's hand, but pulls it back and says, uh-uh, I heard about you. I'm not falling for that one. Oscar says, come on, let's all sit down. Grab a chair, Murray. Oscar and Willie sit on the couch while Murray moves a dining room table near the couch. He's about to sit down when he says, oh, you almost got me that time. Oscar, what would have happened if I sat in that chair? Oscar says, see, that's the beauty part. You never know with Wild Willie, see? Willie tells him about the time that they were stationed in Tokyo. Oh, sorry. Oscar says to Willie, Willie, tell him about the time we were stationed in Tokyo. Go ahead. And he turns to Murray and says, you're going to love this, I tell you. And that leads to this clip. Well, we went in this geisha house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stayed about two days and then went on back to the base. <laughs> That's not funny, Oscar. He's warming up. Well, you didn't tell them what happened when they served dinner. 
Well, we took our shoes off, <laughs> sat around on all these cushions, two beautiful girls brought all this food in, and Oscar and me ate too much. Oscar, he's no Murray Amsterdam. I don't understand you, Willie. You can't even break up Murray, and he laughs at police lineups. I'm sorry, I don't have time for all of this. I've got to practice, I've got to learn a very difficult number. Nice meeting you, Murray. I'll tell you, you're not a fun guy anymore, I'll tell you that. I've seen guys in traction funnier than you. Boy, boy, oh boy. I'm sorry, Murray. Well, he seems like a nice guy, but he just wasn't funny. He used to be. Felix ruined him. He ruined my funniest friend. I thought I was his funniest friend. So the best part of that scene is the fact that Oscar is very upset that Willie isn't being funny to Murray and he keeps hitting his leg with his fist because he wants Willie to be funny and he's not. And the way Jack Klugman reacts to Willie not being funny is very, yeah. is funny itself. I also, I just, there's something really silly about the way we're used to this for Murray, but not necessarily Oscar where the two of them are like, little boys giggling yeah. as Oscar is like saying, get ready for this, Murray. And then like, presumably this geisha house story, right? Something happened in Japan at the geisha house is supposed to be kind of, maybe not like pornographic, but just a, a kind of dirty story or a naughty boy story. And so Oscar's kind of like giddy with this adolescent kind of uh, uh, eagerness and, and the, he and Murray giggling together and then like going deadpan when Roy has, I'm sorry, Willie has nothing. Uh, and also, Murray's mm -hmm. very clever to figure out that he shouldn't shake Willie's hand or sit on the chair, but Felix <laughs> is not. Aha, there you go, right. You know, it's funny, kind of a strange scene. At first, I thought it was kind of a waste and just a way to get Murray into the episode somehow. But then I realized it's actually, it, it is useful because it's a transitional scene yes. of how what is ha what Felix is doing to right. his funniest friend. Yep. a very funny line he ruined my funniest friend uh in the next scene felix is in the living room getting some photography equipment ready and he's dressed obviously to go to work he's very fancy dressed i assume to go photograph somebody he's listening to willie play classical music and he seems pleased oscar comes out holding his ears and this is the point where i was saying obviously he's annoyed that he's lost his funniest friend but it was sensational a few days ago. I guess now it's not because it represents losing his funniest friend. And yes. he shouts back to Willie, That's play right. melancholy baby. Felix says, do you have to be such a bore? Do you, Oscar says, do you realize you're tampering with a man's life? Why don't you go in there and tell him he doesn't have to do this? Felix says, you know what you are. Oscar says, what? Felix says, you're the kind of man who ruins the world. Oscar says, how? Felix says, he sticks an umbrella down my pants, opens it, and you scream with laughter. How does that happen, by the way? <laughs> no, it sounds painful. Oscar says, because it's funny. Felix says, you have a hot foot mentality. What does that mean? I, I looked it up. Hot, I, it, hot foot is a prank, some sort of mm. prank. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's like a prank mentality. Oscar says, and what about prankster. you? Prankster. You turn a former funny guy into a mummy in a violin case. I hope you're happy with yourself. Felix says, I'm delighted. You know what's going to happen here Saturday afternoon? Oscar says, sure, you're going to shampoo the rug. Mm -hmm. Felix says, after that, you know who's coming to my opera cider? Boris Kalnikov. Oscar says, hooray. And Felix says, Boris Kalnikov, the concert. Very sarcastically. Yes. I think, I, if I may, hooray. 
something like that. Felix says, Boris Kalinikov, the concert impresario, with one wave of his cane, he can make, give him a whole new career. I'm going to have Willie play for him. Isn't that exciting? Oscar says, oh, be still my heart. Also sarcastic. Felix says, now listen to me. His dinner is in the oven. Serve it to him in one hour. Oscar says, shall I slip it to him under his cell door? Felix says, I shudder what to think that would have happened if you'd been a friend of Michelangelo's. There'd be no Sistine Chapel. You'd have said, leave your brushes, Mike. We'll go tip over gondolas. So the next scene, it's the Lexington Avenue Opera Club because they live on 1049 Park Avenue on the Upper East well, Side. And you know what? what did you notice uh, I was going to wait until he gets to the line or we hear the clip, but when Felix announces who yes, they are. He introduces them that way. He And last time we saw this in another, the previous episode where the opera group met, they were the Lexington Avenue Opera Company of Central Park West. Remember they made that change? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're not. But of course, the reason was that episode was the Martina Arroyo episode, which was the final episode they ever shot. So for some reason, whoever was behind it, and I still think it's Tony Randall, decided on the very last show to change the name of the opera company. But well, we see, he hadn't yet done that by this point. We see John Wheeler in his fourth and final appearance as the opera singer of the group. He was first named Herbert Murphy. And then Henry, and then the last two episodes, including this one, he's Mr. Felcher. Felcher's back. Also in the he room. He also wasn't in that other one that we just saw. Right. We mentioned him last time. Uh, did you notice the older man with gray hair wearing a very pink tuxedo and a giant pink bow tie? Yes, I did. And I also know, did you notice the very slight person wearing a very strange mustache? And who I honestly thought might have been a woman in drag. <laughs> I did not notice um, that. And another man wearing another very flamboyant outfit. And I just wondered, like, is this like they're supposed to be bohemian because they're the opera company? But it certainly looked like a very, you know, is like the first instance of a kind of Greenwich Village <laughs> crowd, you know, coming for the opera company. There's also two women in fancy red dresses who have very fancy hats and I, four other people who I did not see these things you're saying about two of them. Felix comes in from the kitchen with muffins and says, all right, here, everyone, here we go. Meeting will come to order. All right, the meeting will come to order. Come on, everybody, sit down, sit down, everybody, sit down. Now, one of the hatted women goes to sit in a chair, but Felix says she cannot have the biggest chair this time. And she says, oh, my dear boy while he escorts her away from that chair. And the audience kind of laughs. I think that woman who was an extra was not supposed to say anything. And she ad-libbed because she's oh. a, you know, wants to be on camera. Uh, <laughs> I think she really? ad-libbed a oh, lot. You're really, okay, you really have a theory of it. I do. I really, I've never noticed this before, but it, it really focusing on that I scene. missed that line for some reason. Or I just don't remember it. Did she say it like apologetically or is she upset or? She remember? seems more upset that Felix has like physically moved her away from that chair. Uh -huh. okay. uh, and I'm convinced that that character, that none of the other extras have any lines. I do not believe she was in the script. It says that that woman says, oh, yes, my it's dear a, boy. It's just little, yeah. Felix says, no, we're saving that chair for something very special. Members of the Lexington Avenue Opera Club, welcome to Mozart and Muffins. Mozart made the music and I made the muffins. So help yourself as you see fit. And they all rush forward and take muffins. <laughs> 
Felix points to one plate. I think he brought two plates in. One plate has fewer on them, and it's by the big chair. And he says, don't take any of those. Those are for our honored speaker. Take some of those. All right, everybody, sit down, sit down. We have a great big surprise for you. We're going to have a surprise guest and a surprise performer. But to start things off, our friend Felsher will sing an aria for us that he's been working on for 14 years. I'm not playing the full aria. I will tell you he starts to sing the aria. Oscar walks in in his dirty baseball outfit with sweatshirt and cleats. Oscar tells Felsher to keep singing. Then Oscar uses his baseball bat to knock off dirt on his cleats, which makes a noise. Felix tells him to stop. Oscar sits down on the stairs, but while he's sitting, while he moves to sit on the stairs, the cleats make a loud noise. Then he takes off the cleats, he puts them on the piano. He grabs the plate of muffins that no one is supposed to touch and he brings it over to the kitchen order. <laughs> the entire area. plate. The yes, entire plate. The entire plate. And he, he starts eating one. It, it's a very funny visual gag. It's also because Pugman is completely oblivious. There completely, yes, completely oblivious. It's really funny. By the way, isn't this reminiscent of another, uh, when Mr. Felcher was on Under Another Name? Yeah. The, his first appearance is that he ends up serenading Oscar. Yes, yeah. And Oscar walks in in the middle of his aria and then he yeah. can't stop laughing. Yeah. So once again, uh, I, I'm surprised Mr. Felcher does not remember this, but I guess he was under his other identity. Well, we don't know uh, he doesn't. Once again, no, Oscar is humiliating him. There's no proof he doesn't know this. <laughs> That's true. That's true, yeah. So Mr. Felcher keeps singing and then the door rings. And that leads to this. Thank you, Mr. Felcher. Ladies and gentlemen, members of the This is Mr. Bobby. Sit down, have a muffin. Isn't he talented? He could use a little more practice. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I wanted to make a good impression. Never mind the impression. You're not Rich Little. I came to hear the cowboy violinist. And you will hear him last. No, I will hear him first. Ah, well, let me explain my thinking, Mr. Kalnikoff. I, too, am something of an impresario. Mr. William Barnes is our star. I thought you'd hear all of our group first, and then, as a big finale, our top performer. Let me explain my thinking. I will hear your top performer first, and then I will go home and have dinner. Good thing. <laughs> Are you ready, William? All set. Honored guest, ladies and gentlemen of the Lexington Avenue Opera Club, Felix Unger presents a startling new talent. Born of poor but industrious sharecropper parents. <laughs> in a one-room cabin in Gooseberry, Kentucky. Boring. <laughs> and so, without further ado, I present Mr. William Barnes.
that's enough. You are a genius. Oh, do you really think so? Kalnikov knows a genius when he sees one. Oh, I'm so glad you agree and with you, me. And you, sir, you're an idiot. <laughs> Why do you say that? Kalnikov knows an idiot when he sees one. <laughs> Aren't you the great Wild Willy Bugs? Yes. Well then, sir, you're a genius. You are the funniest man I ever saw. Don't you remember me from the rodeo? You set fire to my cape. <laughs> Was that you? Who else will wear a cape in Phoenix, you crazy guy? <laughs> what did you think of the way you played the charter? Oh, well, 90 guys can play the same way, boring. <laughs> But why, Willie Bugs? He's one of a kind. What do I do now, Oscar? Oh, Willie, that's your decision. Now, what is it you really want to do? Well, I'd like to play some more. Good, good, wonderful. Are uh, you an opera or the rodeo? No, I'm in baseball. Are you Hank Aaron? <laughs> Mr. Boggs will resume with the allegretto. Confused on something, I realized hmm. it, it, it before Kalnikov gets up. Feel, there's a very slow music, and then they go into something very countryist that 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 Felix uh, is playing for him. Is that is that classical okay. music? I don't understand. <laughs> no, my friend. Let me explain. Um, so uh, first of all, the piece that he is he has prepared for this concert, uh, I had to look up. Uh, I'm familiar with what it sounded, but I never knew what it was called, and I kept. And but looking it up was hard because all I had to go on was Felix saying, what did you think about how he played the charda or the chart? I thought he was saying charta or something. And I kept Googling like charta, violin, classical, nothing. It turns out it's chardas. It's C-S-A-R-D-A-S because it's a Hungarian uh, uh, title. Uh, and so for the record is that, but it's actually written by an Italian composer, Vittorio Monti, uh, based on a, a, a Hungarian folk dance. And this uh, piece was written in 1904 and is a staple of the classical violin repertoire for virtuosos to play. Now, so that's the way we, the version of the, of the piece we hear before Kolnikov interrupts him. No, but then, then in the minute before he interrupts him, there's also a faster thing going on. Yeah, there, the, 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 the piece itself has two parts, a slow part and a fast part. Oh. But what I think is, is maybe is, is, is throwing you off is that the first time uh, Willie Roy Clark plays the fast part, he plays it as written. The second time, the whole joke of the end of the scene is that he starts playing it as classical and then he starts ad-libbing in country style, in bluegrass style. Do you get it? He plays, yeah. if you listen, if you listen to it again, which you probably really don't want to do, uh, <laughs> but if you listen to the, to the music, he kind of puts a spin on it. He'd be, you know, instead of playing it the way it's written, he plays it in a country style. I see. 
Okay. That's why the people start dancing. Well, so Al, so let's talk about Kalanikov. Going off first. script. He's going off script, as it were. Kalanikov is played by Albert Paulson, who did a lot of TV, especially as a German or Eastern European villain, the 60s and the 70s. He was the person who I said that the theater critic, John Simon, Simon sounds like. And they both, oh. John Simon comes from uh, Yugoslavia. Uh, I think he was, uh, yes, he was from Yugoslavia. So they do have similar. Although I think Albert Paulson was not from anyway, but he he has a voice like John Simon. Yes, he played characters like Eastern European German characters. and German. So he was on a lot of shows that needed German villains, like or or Eastern European villains, like Combat Man from Uncle, Rat Patrol, Mission Impossible, Charlie's Angels, Kojak, Galactica yeah. nineteen eighty, where he could play kind of that. Battlestar Galactica, the like yes, the, the well, Battlestar sequel, right? Yeah, it's it was First the thing. the second series. After they canceled the original show, where they actually found Earth and they didn't have most of the original cast in it. Spoiler. Uh, it's not a spoiler. Quincy, not Quincy. <laughs> Quincy Auto Auto Man. Do you remember Auto Man? That? No. Uh, so when Knight Rider, he was also a Knight Rider. When Knight Rider came <laughs> out, it inspired a lot of uh, oh. other Talking automobile cars. shows. So there was an Airwolf, which he was also on. Auto wow. Man <laughs> was about a computer, like a. Um, uh, an avatar that could turn into mm. like a motorcycle and ride a motorcycle. So it was kind of a Tron meets Knight Rider. Wow. Okay. It didn't last very long. Desi Arnaz Jr. This was a whole genre. It was a genre. Desi Arnaz Jr. The other one that would fit the genre would be Street Hawk and Blue Thunder. Wow. Uh, and he is wearing a cape, which is why he refers to himself as wearing a cape. And at the end, as you said, everyone is dancing. Who else would wear that cape in Phoenix, you crazy guy? My favorite line in the episode. So in the, uh, he is, uh, I just want to say he is so funny. This, and it's so, and so funny very good. that you mentioned his credits. His Most of his career was playing like serious uh, bad guys. Yeah. The, or uh, not so, you know, can't be yeah. bad guys too. Right, right. But, but he is just hilarious in this. Paulson. Our, what's Al- Albert, 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 Paulson. Albert Paulson. Yes. Um, in the tag... Willie and Felix and Oscar in the living room. Willie has his guitar and he says, Felix, I'm sorry I messed up your audition. Felix says, that's all right. And Willie says, I just had to do it my way. Felix says, of course. Listen now, for me, play some Bach on the guitar. Oscar says, no more Bach. Will you play my favorite, Mountain Dew? Felix says, no, no, no. Play a nice classical thing. Oscar says, please, I don't want to hear anything classical. I want to hear Mountain Dew. Willie says, can I do something for myself? Felix looks at Oscar and says he's entitled, which leads to... This drawn out tag that I wish I didn't this have. This amazing to... three minutes so tag, but I feel like we have to. Yes, we do.
Are you happy? He finally played boxing. Now I'm going to assume that isn't Bach. Right. That's the joke. Yeah. Um, you know what it is? Well, I don't know what it is. I looked it up. I don't remember. You tell okay. me. It is a uh, piece called the Malaguina, which is uh, in the tradition of the Spanish flamenco guitar, classical Spanish guitar repertoire, but written by a Cuban composer, Cuban-American composer of, uh, in the 1930s, written originally for piano, which then became adapted as a guitar favorite for flamenco guitarists. Uh, now, you, I don't know if you, I think I may have mentioned this to you last year, sometime last year, this clip of Roy Clark playing the Malaguina on the Yacht Couple went totally viral on Twitter because someone shared it and said, look at this amazing guitar playing. And so in preparing for today, I just went down this rabbit hole to find like how this got shared and how popular was it. This clip has gotten over 1 million YouTube views today. It, actually, there are different versions of it. One got 1 million, another got 2 million. Um, and which is, I checked, like the most viewed odd couple clip on YouTube by my estimation. Like I looked up Aristophanes and when you assume and they get like in the 100,000 range. So it turns out as much as you may mock this, Ted, that this clip, if not the episode, is like one of the most, for people who are not odd couple fans, like the most famous odd couple episode. Uh, it's most notable for not only his appearance in general, but for this last, for the tag. It's the most important tag they ever did. So I'm, I think hopefully by now listeners understand, I'm not mocking it. I, I don't watch Sorry, the odd couple for music. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, I just, I don't, I'm not a music lover, I'm not. I know most people love music, they have their, and I had stuff I like to listen to on, like I have my music, it's all TV themes and music stuff and movie themes. I like that too. I just, I don't, I don't watch the odd couple listen to music. Yeah. I want to listen to music. So I find, and it's not music I like anyway. I just don't like watching guitar playing. I'm, it's impressive, but as this is a personal thing, this is not me putting yes. it on the episode or saying objectively. I just, right. I find these episodes distracting and I feel like they're a waste of <laughs> opportunity. It doesn't mean I don't like the episode. Well, that's why I find it. I find it like so strange that, I mean, it makes perfect sense now that I understand it, but, uh, but why the appeal, uh, uh, why so many music fans out there took to this. But I think it's interesting that it is, I think this is the most, this might go down in history long after this podcast is forgotten. Uh, this will survive. If there's one clip of the octave that will survive, it might be this. Now maybe that's sad, but, but let me, just one more footnote to this is that not only is the clip itself on YouTube as its own clip. There are several reaction videos. You know what these react? You hear about yeah, these where reaction people, videos? Tab? That where they're watching it. We watch them watch it. Right, right. Yeah. You heard about this? The kids. The kids I, I did. So I went. Videos. I have. A, I'll tell you a rabbit hole I did of that. My own. When you're done. Mm. Okay. So um, it turns out I found at least I watched. At, uh, I count by my count six. Guitar fans, like music fans, not uh, TV comedy fans, from all over the well, mostly from here in the UK, share like watching this for the first time, not knowing who Roy Clark was, and definitely or like knowing a little about Roy Clark, but not knowing the Odd Couple at all, and just kind of wondering like why is he playing in this living room, <laughs> and um, not, 
what, what and one of the funniest things about that was that they play the tag the whole tag because that's what the clip is starting with the dialogue that you uh, recited right where there's no context it's just him saying i sorry i ruined your audition and they argue about bach and mountain dew and the com the, the people who are doing the uh what is it the commentary the reactions are like oh, what the hell's all this what are they talking about one guy thought that roy that willie beat out felix for the audition like that it was felix's audition that mm -hmm. somehow <laughs> anyway so it led to a lot of confusion on the clip but uh, there is this whole rabbit hole if you're in, if you're a fan of Roy Clark or, or if you're intrigued by his playing here, because he also recorded this. This was one of his big numbers on his concerts, and he recorded. There are several different YouTube clip YouTube performances of him in different settings on different shows, including an old Ed Sullivan, I think. Um, and there are reaction videos to those clips. So anyway, I, the funny thing is I'm not, a, I, I did, I have some musical background, but guitar is not one of it. It's, a, it's an instrument that's always mystified me, but I became fascinated about how people discussing his guitar technique. There's even videos of people showing how to do some of the things he does on this thing because people are so uh, amazed by it. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, over Christmas, because I love It's a Wonderful Life so much, I will watch reaction videos of people watching It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, no first, kidding. For the first time, yeah. For the first, well, that is interesting for people who've never seen it. Yeah. yeah. Right. I do find I do find that interesting, especially like it like with this watch because younger it tends to be younger, a lot younger people doing these reaction videos. And they think they're watching something like really, really old, like even when they're watching the outcome. So it is nice to see them, young people appreciating things like that. I mean, is that, is that the appeal you think for you? Uh uh, I don't care how old the, they reach are. Reach a new audience? No. Okay. You it's, just like seeing people react. It's more, yeah. I like, yeah. I don't know if I can explain why I like it. Huh. So I, even though it doesn't sound like I like the episode, I like it. It just has too much music in it for me. Like, there's enough funny moments, gags, and and it's an interesting story about, you know, what passion in your life you're going to choose. Um, and I'm not, this has nothing to do with me putting down Roy Clark. He's obviously an amazing performer. I just, I've said it many times. I don't watch the show to watch musical performances. Uh, so I give it three out of five, Maurice. Um, I think it is a, uh, you know, it is held back by being a guest star episode. Certainly. I think, you know, he even does, he might do more. There might be more. Uh, airtime devoted to his performances than any of the other uh, musical guests we've that had, feels, except maybe Paul Williams. That um, feels right. I mean, it could even be half the 26 minutes or so. That is more or less. So, um, but he turns out to be great. I also think he's good in the episode. He's good as this yes, character. He is. As this, while he's good doing the pranks and being a, he's a very appealing uh, presence. And uh, <laughs> they make it just barely plausible that he and Oscar are old friends, even though he's like 10 years younger than Jack Klugman, which doesn't mean they couldn't be in the army together, but um, it made it somewhat believable they, they were old buddies. And he's got a, a lot of old bodies, Richard Dawson's. And yes, old right. We're about to. We're, oh, no, that was Felix's old buddy. We're coming not... up now. We're, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, but this is, uh, yeah, yet again, I'm not going to. I'm not Monty say Hall, again. that's his old buddy for the other. His old college, buddy. that was well, yeah. Monty college. was his college roommate. Yeah, yeah, college, yeah. And now this is an army buddy yet again. 
these hints that these clues that that Oscar spent time in the army in Japan, but it's not clear whether it was during the war or just on the base after the war, which in this case, I think they're saying because they wouldn't be hanging around with geishas like during the war. So, um, and Roy Clark was too young to fight in World War II. Anyway, so there's that. Oh, something we haven't mentioned, I made a note of, uh, this whole uh, plot line about uh, Felix d d discovering that some guy has classical music talent. I feel like we've seen that before. Does that ring a bell with yes, you? Yes, I feel like with er Ernie, wasn't Ernie the guy in season one, the Eskimo? The Eskimo, pa Poppy, <laughs> what's his name? From Seinfeld. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, right, the football player who Felix discovers is a prodigy, but in that case turned out to be lousy. Uh, so that is a big difference, but it does, it is a little recycled, the plot line from that. Um, but despite those uh, slight flaws, I find it, given the, 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 uh, the, the incongruous situation of having Roy Clark be on the odd couple, they handle it pretty well. They let Roy Clark be Roy Clark. I happen to think his performances are great just on their own, which makes it at least watchable for me if as if uh obviously i enjoyed the one i i connect with them the same one you do i know you admire it and respect it uh so i give it four reasons uh if you have any feedback for us you can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com and of course uh always looking for five star reviews on uh itunes garrett you sir are an idiot boring